This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Welcome everyone to episode 212 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and today we are going to start our by Felicia segment, which is basically the, the inside the NBA's version of gone fishing. So we're going to say goodbye to the top tankers of the league this year, since we are probably not going to talk about them all that much until the draft lottery. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? I should really be asking you that question, Brian. Yeah, my, here's the downside of being married to a doctor, is that they are uh, exposed to all sorts of weird diseases, and then they bring them home. And then nine times out of ten, you still don't get sick because your immune system is made of steel. But then the one time, you do get sick. So I am, I'm getting over a cold, so I apologize in advance for uh, me sounding stuffy and sick. But uh, otherwise, good. Yeah, I love that you just blamed that on a poor patient coming in. <laughs> Seeking refuge from a cold world and getting medical attention, and now you're just crabbing on them. Well done, absolutely. It's some (laughs) pain-seeking veteran, a hundred percent. He was just trying to get some oxy. (laughs) He came in with a cold, and now got my entire household sick. I think even Nori is sick right now. Oh no! Yeah, I don't know. He's been very lazy the last couple days. He might just be sympathy sick with me, which I appreciate. Why, why do I feel worse when you tell me that Nori is sick? I do too. It's horrible. Yeah. I've been very sad the last few days because he's just like not moving. And we're like, are you <laughs> paralyzed or are you just lazy? I can't I can't tell. Um, oh, poor dog. I know. So Mort, before we get to the tankers, I think we need to start by just sending our best wishes to Yusuf Nurkic, who suffered a gruesome leg injury on Monday, called back to the Paul George Team USA thing from a few years ago. Right. Uh, compound fracture of the tibia and fibula. Thankfully, no nerve or muscle damage. They did the surgery on Tuesday, and that's good news. Um, but we, we, you know, he's out indefinitely. He's definitely out for the rest of the season. We got to assume he's going to miss at least part of 2019-20. So, really, just sending our best to him. Hope he recovers well. I mean, the guy was he was having a monster season this year. Uh, it's a huge loss to Portland. I'm glad he got his he got the bag before this happened. But, you know, just I, I hope he can come back even stronger than he was this year because mm. he was the key. Like, I slept on Portland for the 18th straight season, and he was one of the biggest keys to why they're going to be in the playoffs yet again. So, prayers up, Yusuf. Yeah, and I mean, just, just one note. <clears throat> I'm seeing a lot of the Paul George comparisons, and people are already going you know, the route of, well, if Paul George came back and became even better, obviously, 
you know, this is going to happen with Nurkic. Like, I, I just, I get what they're saying, but, like, that's just putting a lot of pressure on a young man who just went through a very traumatic injury. So, yeah. like, don't put that on him. I don't think that's fair to him at all. It also <clears> took <throat> Paul George a lot of time before he reached this level. Like, he suffered that injury in 2014, and now... Right. Four years later, he's looking like an MVP candidate. Like, he played, I think, six games his first season back. And, yes, he suffered the injury a few months after Nurkic did. So there's reason to be optimistic that Nurkic could potentially make it back earlier than George did, you know, this coming season. But, yeah, like, you know, I was in this debate with a couple fantasy basketball guys yesterday. Like, we just have to basically write off the 2019-2020 season for him. It's much like DeMarcus Cousins with the Achilles. Like, Hopefully right. he makes it back at some point. Hopefully he resembles his old self at some point. But anyone expecting him to be what he was this year at any point next year consistently, it, that's wishful yeah. thinking. Like, Look at Gordon Hayward. I mean, he suffered that ankle injury the first game of last season, and he spent the entire year... You know, he, he shows some flashes, but... He has yet to string together, like a consistent month of oh yeah, the old Gordon Hayward is back, and I'm, I I Agreed. hope that that's not the case for Nurkic, but I'm concerned that it will be. I wonder if it's harder for perimeter players because of the added responsibility of ball handling and initiating the offense and playing from outside and in. Yeah. Then whereas an use of Nurkic type, who is plays primarily close to the basket and doesn't rely a lot on athleticism, if he just has an easier time coming back in that sense in terms of still being able to rebound the basketball still being able to score from the inside like i i get it's a long road ahead and i'm not putting any pressure on him in terms of hey what he's gonna come back like but uh, i do think his his game is well suited to uh, absorb this type of injury yeah, I hope so but i think a lot of these injuries we've we've seen a lot with hayward this season a lot of it is mental and, like, yeah. didn't he break his leg just going for a rebound? Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's, you're right. That's a big part of his game is just rebounding and blocking shots. But in the back of his mind, that's true. he's going to be thinking, like, oh, man, every time I jump for the ball, this could happen again. I mean, hopefully it won't. Mm. The bone should come back even stronger. So, like, you know, hopefully he gets over that in due time. But I do think that could be in the back of his head for a while. I think they're not going to... I mean, he was only playing 27.4 minutes a game this season already, so it's not like he was playing 35, but they're not going to throw him back into a high-usage role right away. You know, they're going right. to gradually, gradually, gradually ramp him back up. Like, it'll be 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes. Make sure mm. he's good, and then we can talk about getting him back into, like, the full-time starting center role, but... Like, Zach Collins just became that much more important to the Portland Trailblazers for the next year. I'll say. Yeah. Can we just focus on how productive Nurkic was when healthy? Like, 27 minutes a game, that's not a lot. That's just, that's barely more than a half a game. Right. And and he put up 15, 10, three, three plus assists, and I believe almost a block and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Uh, It's great because, you know, when he came over... After the trade deadline in 2016-17, he put up very similar numbers in Mm. kind of similar time. And then last season, I don't want to say he took a step back necessarily, but like he wasn't as impactful as he was after the trade deadline. But then this season, I mean, he really like 
I don't think anyone's going to say when you're thinking of like the best big threes in the league, I don't think anyone Portland comes to mind right away, but like Dame, CJ and Nurkic is a big three to some degree. And like Nurkic really rounded that out. It's not just the Dame and CJ show, which it was, you know, in the playoffs last year. And it's why they got spanked by the Pelicans in the first round. Like now Nurkic gave them that interior presence that they really desperately needed. Yep. I mean, look, if he comes back and Sack Collins uh, develops like a legitimate three-point shot and proves able to play big minutes, you can probably survive with him at the four. Yeah. I understand it's going to be a somewhat slow big man lineup, but it, it could prove beneficial in the long term, assuming, of course, that you know Nurkic come back fully healthy, which we hope for. Hope right. for. And right. better, better even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's young, which is the like the one thing working for him. He's only 24. Mm-hmm. He doesn't turn 25 till August. So like even if this next year ends up being somewhat of a lost season, like he's still got a long career ahead of him, hopefully. Right. And And while I say all this, just no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, no, I mean, that's the good thing is, you know, there it's not like he's 29 and like he's on the downswing yeah. of his career already, like He's still young enough that, you know, he, he'll have time to really capitalize on his prime, assuming he comes back healthy and doesn't have any, you know, long-term repercussions for this thing. And to your point about, you know, his, his averages in limited minutes, he and Kevin Love are the only two guys in the league this year averaging at least 15 and 10 in less than 28 minutes a game. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good company. Yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Okay, with all of that said, now let's turn our attention to the top tankers of the league. So this is the start of our Buy Felicia segment, which we will do for every team uh, over the next couple months. Because, you know, after these teams get eliminated from the playoffs or playoff contention, in the case of these guys... we're just not going to talk about them all that much until, you know, for these teams <laughs> yeah. until the draft lottery or until the draft. And then, like, even for the playoff teams, we're going to be focusing on the ones that are still alive. So more, let's start with the worst of the worst, the New York Knicks. And for all of these teams, I want us to first focus on the positives that came out of the season and then what they need to address moving forward. So for these teams in particular, how they need to reshape their roster this summer, the big decisions they face to get them back into playoff contention. Mm-hmm. So I think for the Knicks, the the big positive for me, at least in terms of players on the roster, is Mitchell Robinson. Oh, yeah. 
like wh- i mean what a steal this guy is looking like mm-hmm. we we talked about him a little bit earlier in the year but you know he like his, his per game averages don't jump off the screen just because he's only averaging 19 minutes a game but then you look at he's averaging 2.4 blocks in those 19 minutes and it, it's not even just rim protection like he's going out he's one of the rare guys who could go out and block three-pointers with any sort of consistency. Like, he is just one of these, like, monster athletes. He's still so raw, too. Like, that's the best part. This guy, he doesn't really understand positioning and how to, like, play basketball well. So just imagine what happens in a couple years when he's got more NBA experience and has more confidence. Like, this guy could very well be the Knicks' long-term answer at center. I'm going to give you a stat here from Mitchell Robinson. Okay, I'm excited. And it's on a per 36 minutes basis. Okay. So it's a cheating a little bit because he's only averaging 19 minutes a game. Sure. But per 36, he's averaging a combined six steals and blocks per game. <laughs> uh, that seems good. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that just that seems kind of good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, but but he's just so active. He covers the entire length of the floor, and I have a feeling that he's going to be one of those guys. If he isn't already, actually, I just haven't really paid attention to it. Where you know offenses do something similar to him as they do with Kawhi, like basically try to avoid him. Yeah. Like, oh, is he is he on the right side of the court? Let's let's swing to the to the, <laughs> to the weak side. Right. Like, let's go to the left side. Like, let's get it away from him. Yeah. In every means possible. Yeah, I mean, he's just so long that like he can really. That I think he leads the league in three point blocks. It's either him or Ben Simmons, but I think it's him, which is outrageous for a seven footer. Like he's averaging nineteen minutes a game. Right. You just don't see these guys. I mean, you think of a seven footer and you think close to the basket, not not great lateral agility like he's got it i mean he he he's really impressed me more than i expected and i'm just so forever grateful that the boston celtics did not pick him i remember when he was slipping down the draft board i you know i saw like he was in the 20s and the celtics were coming up and i was like oh my god if they pick this yeah. guy it's over and thankfully they went with time lord instead and now he slipped to the Knicks, but it was a really like kudos to the Knicks. It was a great pick. Yeah, it was, and and I think a lot of it was just not you know teams weren't able to watch him play. Yeah, because he didn't play college basketball. He was practicing alone. Yep. He was training and getting ready. So I think that just caused a lot of the hesitation about him. But he was always intriguing. Like just his physical profile alone was sure. always terribly exciting. I mean, when you have a, a legit seven footer who can run like the wind and and jump like Vince Carter like <laughs> at some point you just have to get intrigued by that right yeah and if you can then squeeze out some kind of basketball related talent of him like you do it and lo and behold look at him right now one of the uh, I want to say projected best defenders in the league in a couple of years yeah I mean he could definitely factor into that conversation for sure yeah um, I think that's totally fair well he's also like let's he doesn't turn the ball over yeah. He takes smart shot. Like he's he's shooting sixty eight percent from the field. Right. Like who does this remind you of? It reminds you of a guy who's already on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. A, yeah. a little DeAndre Jordan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's great that DeAndre Jordan is there to like mentor him for at least a couple months. 
we'll, yep. we'll see what happens this summer, of course. But, you know, who better for this kid to learn from that, like, this, you're right, this was DeAndre Jordan back in his early days, was just like this springy, explosive big man that could just be a right. double double machine. Like, it, uh, a lot, a lot you should of, just teach him to say, who you got at the, at the free throw line? <laughs> because apparently it's working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so Mitchell Robinson, great find. Yeah. Any other reason for optimism on the Knicks roster yeah. currently? Yeah, so okay. in your outline, you were very negative about the Knicks, and I get it. <laughs> but I, I just I want to pat myself on the back just a little bit because I did mention Alonzo Trier yeah. after the draft. Yep. And he's been good. And, yeah. you know, 11 points a game in just under 23 minutes. 39 from three, 80 from the line, actually getting to the line quite a bit, three and a half times per game. That was 22.8 minutes. Somewhat of a playmaker at times, primarily an isolation scorer. Uh, not not the greatest two-point scorer yet, but that could come in time. I mean, he's 23. Mm-hmm. I like what he brings. He brings some toughness. He brings some creative uh, offensive ability that they don't really have at this point, especially after moving on from Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, look, I, I wasn't in love with Tim Hardaway Jr., but he was creative. He was, like, free-flowing. Mm-hmm. And they kind of need to have someone like that just to have players who can actually score the basketball. <laughs> right. um, obviously, Damian Dotson as well. Yeah. Um, you know, just just a... A shooter who can move. Um, not, not. Yeah, I, I want to say he's way more of a shooter than Trier is in terms of how he plays. Like he, his three-point field goal percentage is thirty-seven, still above league average, but not in the same you know tier as Trier. Mm-hmm. But he's more of a natural shooter as opposed to like a slasher or a driver. Right. Uh, so I think those two kind of complement each other. And if those two guys are you know coming off the bench for the Knicks in a couple of years, mm-hmm. then that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty decent starting point for a bench. Yeah, I agree with that. That kind of leads into my question, and we can really go into, like, you know, moving forward. We know the Knicks plan, we'll talk about that in a minute, but just looking at who's currently on the roster, they have right. a bunch of these young guys. You know, they have mm-hmm. Frankie Smokes is there for at least another year or two, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, who they drafted in the lottery this year, Trier, Mitchell Robinson's locked up for a while on a really good cheap contract. So he he's a keeper. Um, Dotson is locked up at least through next season as well. Who, if anyone, do you think fits this long-term vision for the Knicks? Oh, that's difficult to answer because we don't know what's going to happen in free agency. Yeah, we could, I mean, everything hinges on what they do there, or or even the draft. Like if they get number one and take Sion, right? That that obviously changes the entire outlook of, of the team and if they get really really unlucky and they end up with like i don't know deandre hunter Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like that's no I, and he's he's a he's fine a, player right, right, right. but but i mean i'm just saying there's there's a significant difference in in who you end up with yeah um i mean then yeah you you might look at it and go well that's that's just a piece and stuff a centerpiece and assuming kd goes there well then you have the centerpiece and you just need the complementary players around him and he, if he doesn't, and you end up overpaying for Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler, then yeah, that also changes things, right? So right. It, it's it's an insanely difficult question at this stage. Okay, then l- let me rephrase it. Where are you on Kevin Knox after this rookie season? All right, so Kevin Knox is 
he he remains intriguing to me in some capacity, mm-hmm. uh, because he is he's versatile. He can play the three and the four, so he's one of those switchy guys. His defense, I think, comes and goes. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying he's just atrocious defensively. Mm-hmm. I I think he has games here and there where he shows you know, some some level of competency in terms of rotating, especially when it comes to def- defensive team schemes. When he's on an island, yeah, nah, that's, that's not really going as well, but he's 19 years old. The The big thing for me is he doesn't take good shots yet. He doesn't really comprehend what a good shot is quite yet. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the biggest challenge. Like You have to give him the ne- next year and see if there are any improvements in that regard. If he is still hovering under 40% from the field and just taking weird shots and not connecting then you might uh, consider moving on from him until, you know, the word is out on him. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that's... Uh, he's taking 36% of his shots are from within 10 feet of the basket. He's taking more from... Yeah, like, he's taking more from 10 feet to the three-point line than he is from zero to three feet. Yeah. Which is not not ideal, obviously, but... I mean, he right. is, part he of that has to be coaching, though. Right, for sure. I mean, I think David Fisdale has done a spectacular job of just low key tanking. Like, he had no rhyme or reason to his rotations all year, which I think just made it hard for any of these guys to get comfortable. I mean, Knox didn't start every game. You know, he didn't start for a while at the beginning of the season. Was inactive for a couple. I think he had an injury early in the year. Got put in the starting lineup for three games, then benched until mid-December, and then has been starting ever since. But it, he's still only been playing like, you know, twenty-five or so minutes for a lot of the year. So like, he just hasn't had the opportunity you would have expected for a really terrible team that has nothing to play for. Like most of the time, you give those guys thirty, thirty-five plus minutes and just say like, figure right. it out. Like this is your time to grow. Because, you know, hopefully in a year or two, we'll actually have real talent around you. We're not going to need you to be in such a high usage role. But, like, this should be your time to shine. Um, the Knicks have not gone that direction. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not giving up on him either. I think you're right. It, it does depend on who they bring in. He, I don't think he profiles ever as, like, a number one option. Or I don't think a number one option on a good team. But could he be a complimentary scorer on a good team? Sure. I, mm. I buy that. Do the Knicks have the best bench in the league who they right now are just using as starters? <laughs> no, really, when you think about it, when you look at that team, you you look at Emmanuel Moutier, right? Averaging right. almost 15 a game, not doing so particularly efficiently, not a strong playmaker, you know. Uh, and then you you have Noah Vonley averaging eight and a half and almost eight rebounds in 25 minutes. And we, we already mentioned Trier and uh, Dotson. So, mm-hmm. like, let's assume... That that entire group is the bench for in, for in a couple of years, like that would be a perfectly fine bench to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the problem is Moutier is a restricted free agent this summer. Vonley right. a free agent, and then Trier and yep. Dotson are only locked up for one more year each. So exactly, they'll they'll get expensive. Whereas you've got Knox under contract for three more years, Dennis Smith and Frankie Smokes for at least two more years. Where are you on Frankie Smokes? <laughs> I don't want to be mean to Frankie Smokes, but I'm kind of waiting for him to hit his stride a little bit. Um, 
I, I don't know if the Knicks is the team that really unlocks him. Right. He's he's maybe a second contract type of guy. Like yeah. Ricky, who we had on last time, he kind of alluded there are some players who are just that much better when, when they reach their second contract. Yeah. And, you know, he certainly, I, I certainly agree with that statement. And I think Frankie Smokes could be one of those guys. Um, he, he, it just doesn't work in New York. And, and to be fair, like he's competing with Dennis Smith Jr. and Emmanuel Moutier. And before that, it was Trey Burke. So there's just been so many guys in and out. And he hasn't really gotten the opportunity, at least this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he's got some Chris Dunn in his game. Like he's mm-hmm. an athletic defensive-minded point guard who just is not a natural playmaker or a natural scorer. Right. And that just puts a pretty hard... That hard caps his ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there is a role for him in the league. I don't think the Knicks are the team that will figure out how to use him correctly. And I think the sooner he gets out of New York, the better. But mm. I want him in Memphis. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I like that. I mean, like, his... His shooting efficiency is, it was horrible as a rookie, and it got even worse this year. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it would not surprise me if the Knicks are ready to cut bait on him already. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do think on the right team, he has a role. It's just no matter what happens with the Knicks this summer, I don't know if they're the ones to figure it out. Um, yep. So so let's go in quickly before we move on to their summer plans. Obviously, the dream is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think Kevin Durant's going there? I mean, I, I wasn't really on board with it for a long while, simply yeah. because I, I, I actually look at Kevin Durant. Disp- you know, a lot of people look at KD and they, they focus on, you know, the burner accounts and being <laughs> upset and whatnot. I look right. at KG as a very bright, you know, human being. Yeah. I, I think he's very, very smart. I think he's clever. When he talks about basketball, you can also sense just the wisdom that comes from understanding the game. It just oozes out of him. Mm-hmm. Like he is—he's legitimately smart. Yeah. And so, so whenever the Knicks were brought up, I was like, I just disregarded them because, hey, KD's smart. He knows what's <laughs> up. Like, why would he go there? Right. But the chatter has just grown so intense, and you just hear from everyone, like every of the big timers, you know, the Lows and the Howard Becks and Voges and all those. Eh, you know, it might happen. Like yeah. he's looking at New York. Which, you know, if, if that turns out to be true, uh, and we have another LeBron to LA kind yeah. of move lined up, where it's just like telegraphed the whole year in advance, yeah. uh, congratulations, Knicks, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really want Dolan to have any type of <laughs> success in this regard. Right. But for the Knicks fans, I mean, yeah, sure. They deserve a little bit. That's true. Yeah, it, it feels like LeBron to L.A. in two ways. One, that it's been telegraphed the whole year. And two, that everyone doesn't believe it because it's like, well, that doesn't make any basketball sense. Like, why would right. why, why would you leave a team that's probably going to three-peat for a team that has yeah. the worst record of the NBA? But, like, with LeBron in L.A., there were other factors aside from basketball that played in. Right. His family wanted to be in L.A. He wanted to start his, like, entertainment mogul business. KD, we know, has been really into the Silicon Valley aspect of being living in the Bay Area. So, like, maybe, right. you know, his business is headquartered in L- or in New York. They have, like, a, some office building there. I mean, it seems like he's looking past his NBA career and is like, how am I going to, you know, make the most money? That's 
Mm. I, I'm going to create some sort of business empire. So, to me, he'll be 31 this year too. Yeah, like, people are forgetting that we don't talk about that enough. Like he's going to be 31. Right. Yeah. He's not. I mean, he's going to be in the NBA for another at least half decade, if not decade. But sure. like, he's yeah, he's definitely not. You know, the young prospect he was in the early 2010s. He's he's been here for a while, so. I can understand in that regard if he's, you know, looking ahead. And if he does have a commitment lined up from not only Kyrie, but like, you know, maybe not Kyrie, but Kemba or whoever, it, I get it, I guess. I mean, it again, it makes no sense basketball-wise, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It seems like it's just been telegraphed for too long that it's yeah. a lock. Same with LeBron. Yeah. I don't know if Kyrie's going to go there. I mean, I, I have two reasons as to why he won't. The market? Like, no, no. So okay. first of all and foremost, right, what shape is Madison Square Garden? <laughs> well, maybe he can learn then. Maybe he can finally understand. And what's the city called? Uh, the Big Apple. Oh, what shape no. is an apple? <laughs> <laughs> well played. I definitely thought you were going to go with like... The contentious media relationship, but I am all here for flat earth jokes instead. Uh, but no, I, I honestly, I I think he's actually the leading candidate to land with the Knicks. More than KD? Uh, well, not in, not, if we disregard the rumor basis, right? Okay, okay, I just think yeah, in, yeah. in terms of what we've seen, so far all we've seen from KD is basically one, one dust-up with Draymond. Right. And... And then we heard that was squashed. Yeah. But it seems like with Kyrie, there's just been oh, yeah. consistently <laughs> issues with the entire roster, basically. Right. Like, and, and you know, him sending, you know, love, lever- love, love letters to LeBron. Like, I yeah. miss you, basically. Uh, I just wouldn't be surprised at all for him to go seek something on his own that is... Yeah, his his own entirely because yeah. when he arrived in Boston, I know it was really presented as oh, Kyrie has his own team. Right. He really didn't though. Like yeah. that was that, there were a lot of guys there already. People just assumed oh, they're complimentary guys, so he still has his own team. But I mean, Al Horford had the ball a lot. You know, Hayward was brought in. It didn't really work out the first year for obvious reasons. But like there are a lot of guys there. Tatum, yeah. Jalen Brown, all in need of possessions. Terry Rozier trying to make a name for himself, and then the whole playoff run happened without him. I just right. everything just seems so out of place for him right now. I would be very much surprised if he returned to Boston. Yeah, that playoff run was like both the best and worst thing to happen to Boston because all those young guys boosted their trade value significantly, but at the same time, now they're all pissed when they have to go into smaller roles, and Kyrie is trying to yep. just be like. The LeBron-esque leader. But you didn't enjoy him the other day, throwing Brad Stevens under the bus when he was talking about, oh, well, every other team defense Kemba Walker this way, but we didn't, and he burns us every time. Yeah, that's that's uh, just, yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, throw one of the best coaches in the league under the bus. That's great. I know. Yeah. I'm very, I still think they're going to the finals because I just can't quit that stupid team. But right, I, I really so, have enjoyed the entire season of dysfunction. But let's talk about what you brought up because that's the most the more interesting thing to talk about. Like the the contentious media relationship both of these guys have. Yeah. Why would you go there? I don't know. I well, I wonder if like the KD's going to kind of make the New York 
media turn into how OKC, you know, like OKC has the reputation of like really protecting its guys from oh yeah the media members, and like the Knicks have proven this year with Stephen Bondi that they'll try some like hard-handed ta- or heavy-handed tactics and like ban reporters reporting negative things about the franchise. Like James Dolan doesn't give a damn, so maybe he's just like. Come here and we'll do whatever you want. Like, if you don't want to talk to reporters, that's fine. We'll take the fines. We don't care. That's actually a legitimate selling point for KD, I think. Yeah, it might be. I mean, I don't know that that's the case, but... It no, just... but, like, think about it. Like, we know his relationship with the media. If a team actually out there is out there and they tell him, you know what, we'll pay whatever fine, yeah. the fine that the league hands us in terms of you not being... showing up for your media uh, availability... Like, I think that's a huge, I think, yeah, that's a huge argument. Yeah. You don't have to be in front of cameras. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know they have, like, the league mandated, you have to meet with reporters in these situations, but I don't know. I, I could easily see yeah, the Knicks trying to deflect that as much as possible if KD and Kyrie don't of course. want to deal with it. Oh, my God. Kawhi Leonard, would his ears would be burning <laughs> oh my God. if that happened. Yeah, yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check it out at pathwayscu.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA. All right, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns, more the other true tanker out there in the West. Really, the only like egregious tanker in the West. And they didn't even try to tank. They side Trevor Ariza and thought they were going to be good this year. But oh, are you telling me Kobe and Shaq weren't trying to, to tank? <laughs> Wasn't that the comp coming in <laughs> over Booker and Aiton? Yeah. Young Kobe, yeah. young Jack. Well, Kobe declared yeah. himself the best player ever on James Corden last night. So Yes, I, I noticed. Yeah, so Devin Booker has a bright future ahead of him. But, I mean, I will say. let's start with the positives. Like, Devin Booker is still a monster. He dropped 59 the yep. other night. He's putting up 26 oh. points a game on a terrible team. Like, he, every year that goes by that they still are terrible, you do have that creeping suspicion of, like, is he just a bad or a good stats, bad team kind of guy? But then I also, like, Bob Sarver is still the owner. I have no faith in their <laughs> organizational infrastructure. Like, they might just be a, such a bad team that they can't put together a winning culture around him. But I think, like, Devin Booker is a legitimate star. I think DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton has, I mean, for a number one overall pick to be averaging 16 and 10, he's flown under the radar thanks to Luka and Trey Young, really. But, like, he's had a great rookie yep. season. He has, and part of that is he got better defensively as the year went on. Yeah. Like, he, he was a train wreck to start the season where over the first, I think, 10 or 12 games, 
I was I was really concerned. I I wasn't ready to throw the bus label at him because that's that's just unfair on sure. such a small sample size. But he looked so clueless that <laughs> I legitimately <laughs> sat there and thought, oh my god, how will he ever turn this around? It was so bad. Yeah. And somehow he just I don't know what they did, but he's he's actually noticing cutters now. He's he's he has a reactive system towards them. Like he when he sees a cutter and he's the closest defender, he'll rotate over, but he won't over rotate, so he'll still stay close enough to his primary defender until another perimeter player will pick up the guy who was cutting. Mm-hmm. Like he's beginning to get it. And she, I mean Absolutely, he's still he's a long, long road. There's a long road until he a plus defender. I don't necessarily think it's ever going to happen, but there is a world wherein that's now possible. Yeah, and that's that's tremendous for him. I, I, I really, I mean, I, I don't remember having seen someone improve that significantly over a rookie season when it comes to defense. I really don't. So that's that's to his credit. Yeah, and even if he's not ever a plus defender, he could be like an average defender, which is better yep. than horrible defender, which is what it looked like he might be coming into the year. And then, as you said, through that first like 10 or 12 games, he was a horrible defender. And, you know, Booker is not exactly a great defender either. So the question was like, can you build your team around these guys when neither of them could get a stop? But if Aiton develops in that degree, then maybe. Maybe you can. I mean, look, he's seven foot one, two fifty, two fifty five. He's lean. He's athletic. He's got a long wingspan. I mean, from a physicality perspective, there's nothing holding him back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, other positives from the Suns this year. P- pick a wing, any wing. Yeah, virtually. I mean, look, Kelly Oubre, I mean, look, 16.9 points, 4.9 rebounds per game ever since the trade, 40 yeah. games in for Phoenix, uh, blocking shots, swiping up steals, getting to the free throw line. Uh, has, has His three-point field goal percentage is still not quite there, but he's still taking five a game, almost draining two. Mm-hmm. He's improving in a way where you're left thinking, oh, this is what the Wizards actually need. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, that just that that trade just still looks weird for Washington's perspective that they just didn't want to pay him. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. But I, I like him in Phoenix, and now they need to figure out what they're going to do if because if they're going to keep him, I think they need to trade T.J. Warren, who's had a very, very good season. I mean, 18 points, four rebounds. 43% from downtown. And, you know, he came in as a non-shooter. Right. But, I mean, you, you need to pick a lane. And you yeah. also have Mikael Bridges. You know, he needs minutes. You need to figure out what you do with Josh Jackson. I'm, I, he, He's one of those guys I'm almost ready to say I'm out on. Yeah. I think of the four, I would say he is the furthest behind for sure. Yeah. that That's very much fair. Um, because he's just... Like he's everywhere at once, which can which can be good, but at times he's just so. I don't know how how you can really describe his playing style. He, it seems like he wants to be great so badly, and I can appreciate that. I can truly appreciate that 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 level of of desire that he has to be good, but he's just he's either forcing the issue, yeah, or, or he's just making weird decisions that comes back to haunt him later on. It's just. Mm. Like if he just got a little bit more disciplined with his movement and with his decision making, I think you could have something. Yeah. But right now he's 
he seems like more of an energy player than a, you know, a foundational piece. Right, right. So I'm definitely with you on Warren. I mean, I think he's a good player. I think he's had a lot of injury issues the last couple of years, and I'd be hesitant to build around him. I think he's on such a reasonable contract that he should have some pretty good trade value. I mean, he's only owed $10.8 million, uh, heading into next season, which is, like, that's totally fine for a player of his caliber. I agree that they need to keep Kelly Oubre around because, you know, like, over his final 30 games... He averaged 19 points, almost six rebounds, two assists, 1.7 steals, 1.0 blocks, only 31 minutes a night. Like, kid was really, really good. I know he he's out now for the rest of the season because he had a minor thumb surgery, but, like, he's been playing incredibly well for them, especially once he moved into the starting lineup after the trade deadline. Like, I, I he looks like a foundational piece to put next to Booker. And yep. Aiton. And then Bridges, I think he was never going to pop off the screen. Like he's just he he's one of those like quintessential role players who is not gonna be a number one option, but like he's just the perfect like glue guy. And I mean that's I I don't know that that makes sense for a team like Phoenix to be adding players like him when you're still so far away from contending. I still think that trade was a little questionable on their end. Um given that you know that Miami pick ended up being a huge part of the reason Philly ended up getting right. Tobias Harris but it, Bridges is really good like I would happily I, I there isn't a day that goes by that I wish he wasn't still a sixer so I, yeah. I think they have a nice little core in place let's now look ahead because you know let's start with Ubre who is a restricted free agent this summer where do you draw the line if you're Phoenix on if Ubre signed this offer sheet, we can't match. You know, I have this opinion that when you're a rebuilding team and you're just extending some young guys, it doesn't really matter if you overpay a little bit mm-hmm. because you also have to assume that they get better as the contract ages. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, in Phoenix, you know, I have to wonder how many shots he'll get unless they figure out, like we talked about, the lockjam at the forward spots. Yeah. Because if they lock him up for big, big money, like say, you know, $20 million a year. Right. And he's like third or fourth on the forward depth chart, then they're not getting their money's worth and he then he's not given an opportunity to further improve. Yeah. Because then he'll just be, you know, brought back to it. So it depends on the role that they envision of him moving forward. That's fair. I mean, I think to your point, the good thing that's working for Phoenix is, you know, Devin Booker, his max contract starts next year, but mm. Aiton has three more years on his rookie deal. Mikhail right. Bridges has three more years on his rookie deal. Elliot Kobo has three more years on his rookie deal. DeAndre Melton mm. signed for cheap for next year. You still have Josh Jackson. If you're not totally out on him, you still have him on his rookie deal for two more years. And TJ right. Warren's at that reasonable price. You have to assume Tyler Johnson is going to opt into his $19.2 million player option, but then he comes off the books after next season. So you do have a lot of cap flexibility, and if if you do decide to move on from TJ Warren, that will free up even more. So yeah, like to your point, I, I don't think... like I, I, I think probably the line is somewhere around four years... Ugh, like... I, I would be nervous to match four years $80 million or somewhere around where yeah. Zach Levine got 
just because, as you said, like he doesn't profile as a top two option down the line. But if you could get yeah. him in like the four years, sixty million dollar range, oh, so- I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, it sounds like a lot for yeah. Kelly Oubre, but I think given his importance to the team moving forward, and given the like, you're not going to get a free agent. You're not going to get a star free agent if you're Phoenix. You're going to have to overpay. You're going to have to do what you did with Trevor Ariza last year and give like the one or two year balloon deals, which is an option. And you could also preserve your cap space to accept salary dumps and get more draft picks. But at a certain point, you need to just start getting better. You've been bad for so long that you need to figure out like, is Devin Booker, you know, can he lead a winning team or is he just a bad? good team bad stats guy so yeah i I think ideally you keep him in that 460 range and that's fine Um, front loaded yeah i like that i like that i think the other big priority for phoenix this summer is getting a point guard and you know obviously zion is the dream for every team we'll talk about today yeah i think john morant for them is probably number two on their board or should be number two on their board yeah um so so in regards to john morant you know, I'm actually going on you know, friend of the podcast, Mark Karen Sulis, who mm-hmm. has the Bulls HQ podcast. Sure, I'm going. I'm going on there uh, this weekend to specifically talk about John Morant compared to other uh, draft prospects. And and one of the things that I'm going to talk about uh, this weekend is John Morant needs a very specific setup to so as the team can maximize his potential mm. because he's a high usage player. Right now, Devin Booker is the de facto point guard in Phoenix. Like, yeah, he plays the, he, he plays a hardened game. You know, he right. starts at the two, but he handles the ball a lot. Yep. Like he's averaging almost seven assists a game. You have uh, DeAndre Ayton, who requires a lot of post touches and cr- requires shots. You have T.J. Warren, who's taking 14 shots a game. You know, that situation may resolve itself, but still. Kelly Oubre, 13-plus shots a game. Uh, Josh Jackson takes a ton of shots as well. You have to assume that both Elia Kobo and DeAnthony Melton will get more shots, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that just leaves this problem where you're trying to slot a high usage player in at the point guard position where you're trying to figure out where does he get his shots? Yeah. Like, do we use Moran as solely a playmaker? Because if you use Moran solely as a playmaker and not as a guy who can come in and average 20, I think you put a ceiling on his potential and I don't mm-hmm. think you get the most out of him as a player so i would i mean obviously i would look at him if i'm phoenix because you know theoretically when you need a point guard and that's the best point guard in the class you have to look at it yeah but i I would really have to sit down with my entire team and figure out what's the plan like if we draft john moran what is the plan yeah so do you think say they get the number two pick do you think the optimal move then is to trade down to like four or five and go after a guy like Jarrett Culver or uh, DeAndre Hunter. If if they decide that Morant simply that you can't get the same out of Morant because of the presence of Booker, mm-hmm. then yes, trading down in this draft or even trading out of this draft is yeah. the year to do it. Yeah. But I and and it's so funny you mentioned Jared Culver because that's the other guy that I'm going to be talking <laughs> about this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Culver would be a fantastic choice, especially if you can trade down for him because then you get an additional asset right. in return. So you get Culver and an asset for the rights to Morand or whoever. Yeah. And if you can that means that Phoenix can still gather some assets. And like I know you that you just said at some point they need to get better. 
Yeah. I absolutely agree with that, but it never, never hurts to get additional assets in a deal because oh, they no. can be moved at a later point if need be, and they're just not there. Yeah. So if they get Culver in, then they definitely need to move around some a few wings. Um, so I would be looking at Oubre, Jared Culver, and uh, Mikael Bridges as the three primary wings, and then I'd try to move Josh Jackson and, and T.J. Warren probably. Yeah, for me, I agree. It feels like Phoenix, if they don't get Zion and they end up at two or three and some team's in love with R.J. Barrett or John Morant, move down, get another first-round pick, ideally. It'll probably be some form of protection, top five, top ten, whatever. But it's still another asset for you to use and hopefully not trade recklessly. But, yeah, right. I, I think I think that's the play. And then, like, really they could use a Patrick Beverly type at the point. They just need like mm-hmm. a defensive bulldog, like you. You're just bringing up all the names that I'm going to talk about this weekend, <laughs> basically, because it's so funny. Because have you noticed the similarities in terms of Chicago and Phoenix's roster? Yeah, like we'll we'll be talking about the Bulls later on today in this segment, and we can basically copy paste everything, <laughs> right? In terms of them, the, their situation. Not that y'all should tune out when we talk about the Bulls, but yeah, yeah absolutely no. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 8 Select styles excludes in-store clearance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Well, before we reach the Bulls, let's start going to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, if we're going to talk about oh, no. things... Well, it, there are reasons for optimism a little bit. Yes, there are. Yeah. Uh, Colin Sexton was horrible right. earlier in the year, but is really rounded into form as of late. Like, he's showing... Some promising flashes. I mean, you know, they played the Sixers recently, and the Sixers just didn't give a damn all game. And Colin Sexton took that personally. And really, I mean, the Sixers can't defend the point of attack all year. And Colin Sexton realized that and attacked relentlessly. Um, Are you telling me that a 20-year-old isn't a finished product, Brian? <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. Yeah. yeah. A 20-year-old who is playing with no talent for much of the year. Like... I don't think it's a coincidence that when Kevin Love comes back, all of a sudden Colin Sexton looks worlds better. Yeah. Oh, I think I think that piece on the athletic back then. Yeah. I think it did him good in a way. Yeah. Like I think he got pissed. Yeah. <laughs> because he seems to be just taking this personally and not by not by trying to be someone who you know he isn't right. because he's a scorer and we've talked about that so many times before. I think he just decided, you know what? I'm going to score the basketball. I'm going to play my game, but I'm just going to play it better. Yeah. I'm going to develop, and I'm going to take notes of what I'm seeing out on the court, and I'm going to use that to my advantage. 
and he has. He's getting a lot better at spotting driving lanes. He's getting a lot better at seeing where the court generally just opens up for him, even for a jump shot or a drive or whatever. Like, yeah. he's becoming multifaceted as a scorer, and that's going to help him in the long run. And if, if you know, beat riders or teammates or the organization is, is crabbing on him for it, then that's on them. Like, mm-hmm. he's doing fine. And look, <laughs> just, just a slight note. Remember when he came in? To the league as a non-shooter with the rep of a non-shooter. Yeah, he's trained 105 triples this year on a 41.3 percent success rate, right. and he's hitting 84 from the line. Let's let's stop calling him a non-shooter. He broke Kyrie's record, I think, for the most threes as a rookie, as a Cavs rookie. Oh, really? I believe so. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like, is it ideal that he's averaging so few assists per game? Obviously not. Do you, you know, like you know, you want your point guard to average more than two point eight assists, but right, that will come in time. I mean, I just yeah, I think the strides he's taken over the past two months should really be encouraging to Cleveland fans who, mm. you know, were most of them. I'm assuming are not even watching this season because what was the point after LeBron left? Like you knew this was going to be a lost right. season, and they still have a lot of work to do to to dig out of the mess that LeBron left, but. Colin Sexton's a good start. Like, if that's, you know, that was the other primary return from the Kyrie trade, and, like, that trade looked horrible in retrospect, but at least it's not a total bust because Colin Sexton is, does give them a player to build around moving forward. Right. Quick note, the Cavs have played 27 different players this year. Wow. Good for, this is like a process Sixers list. That's like two full NBA rosters in yeah. the same year. Yeah, I mean, some of the names on this list. Campaign got nine games. Yeah. Ooh, buddy. Right. Pat McCaw. Three games. Yeah. Good. Kobe Simmons won. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Um, I think Chetty Osman, too. Another, yeah. another reason to be optimistic in Cleveland. And Kevin Love, look, he's not played all that well in terms of his efficiency. Uh he was out for most of the year with that injury. But mm-hmm. again, just since coming back, I think his presence really does help the young kids. Um, I know like we still think that extension was a little, <laughs> a little eyebrow raising, um, but it, it gives them some semblance of a foundation to build around moving forward. I don't, I still don't think he's part of their like long, long-term future. I think in a year or two that you probably look to, flip him for whatever you can just because you know what right. what's the point of having a 30 plus year old Kevin Love with a bunch of young kids but for now it it you know they they were a complete tire fire without him and they're still not yeah. great but they're at least competitive with him they're losing a lot of games but they're competitive I would agree with all of that and I don't even think they should have done the extension but I mean look you're saying we raised some eyebrows. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm misremembering then because we were very loud when we saw that. <laughs> That's true. That is correct. Yeah. Um, so, like, looking ahead for the Cavs, their salary cap right. sheet is a disaster next season. They still have Tristan mm-hmm. Thompson under contract for one more year, Brandon Knight, Jordan Clarkson, John Henson, Delhi, uh, J.R. Smith is under contract. It's for about fifteen point seven million, but only three point nine is fully guaranteed until June thirtieth. So 
Let's, so he's going to be off. Yeah, let's start with him because he's been exiled for much of the season. He's the guy who you can flip and then, you know, flip him ahead of the draft um, to a team that needs cap space, and then they can waive him, and it's all you know they cleared almost twelve million from their books. So, right, if you're the Cavs, what are you looking for when you're trying to dangle J.R. Smith in trade talks? Talent. Just some some sort of talent. It is look. They're at the, that point now where they shouldn't even be focusing on like, hey, let's find a good wing or let's find a good <laughs> guard or a good big. Doesn't matter. Just find talent regardless of position. Yeah. Like if, if we we're talking about like asset accumulation mode, that's what they should be in right now. Doesn't matter. Just find something that's interesting and that has a chance to grow, regardless of what it is. Yeah, I agree with that. And. Would you do some semblance or some combination of young talent and picks to take back bad money? Sure, if uh, if the cap sheet allows for it, yeah, yeah. I, I think they should do everything they can. I mean, look, they should they should be calling up whoever has a bad contract and say, "We'll take it. <laughs> we will take it immediately. Just right. give us a pick." Right. Well, because they do have, I mean, they have a lot of expirings now. And, like, those guys didn't have as much trade value last year. But now moving forward, if a team has a a contract with three years left on the books that they have no interest in paying out, you know, take on a year of Jordan Clarkson and you can clear space two years earlier. Like, this is kind of the the Cavs, not only summer, because they can do it up to the trade deadline, but, like, this is the next 10 months or so is their time to really strike and you know get the assets that like they're not going to attract free agents it's much like phoenix right. so cap space doesn't I don't matter. think they should make that trade now though which which because trade? well like like take on a long-term contract because here's the thing last year you didn't have a lot of long-term contracts because everyone yeah. kind of waited for this year right so identify after after free agency what teams made a mistake like mm-hmm. if some team out there signed someone for four years and it just looks like a complete tire fire as soon as they even signed the player yeah like hang on and wait for trade deadline in 2020 yeah right that's as i was saying like they they could go on up until next february and still right move some of those guys but like if if kemba walker leaves the hornets they're the first team I'm calling. I'm saying, oh, we'll take Nick Batum. We don't care. Just give us something in return. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if the Hornets are even looking at that, though, in terms of giving up an asset. Because losing Kemba means they have nothing. Like, they have yeah. Miles Bridges and nothing. <laughs> and if they give up a draft pick, oh, good heavens. Right. I mean, then I wonder if they're so bad that they're just willing to you know, say, screw it. Let's just live out those contracts. I would hope so. I mean, most of them expire after next season. I think exactly. Batum is the only one. Oh, and Cody Zeller. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that is definitely the play for Cleveland moving forward is, is kind of dangling a lot of these guys. I mean, knowing Cleveland's luck, they're going to win the lottery again for like the 10th time this decade. And they're going to get Zion. Ugh. That'd be fun. I wouldn't hate that. All right, I would, but, and, and I would also hate the fifty-five accompanying, you know, uh, the articles from every outlet saying the game is rigged. Oh yeah, because I, that will show up for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, that's not, Cleveland is not my favorite Zion destination by any stretch, but I would much rather he go there than New York or Phoenix. Yeah, okay, that that I agree with, yeah. Although I oh, guess... That, that, that's, that's the ownership angle, though. Right, but I guess Dan Gilbert's yeah. not much better, actually. I was, I was just about to say, yeah. you know... That's true, that's true. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP experience management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings, and I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com xm to learn more. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, boy. You want to finish things off with the Chicago Bulls? Um. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> Lauren Markkinen. Yeah. Lauren Markkinen took a, took a step forward. Zach Levine took a step forward. Uh, those two have been playing... Uh, very well, especially as of late. Uh, Markin has gone a little bit down in the slump now. He's very fatigued, so his numbers dipped a little bit. But he, I mean, he came off in February where he averaged like twenty six and twelve. Yeah, can, I mean, he showed some legitimate star potential. Can you tell him to get over whatever illness he left with last night? Because he's murdering my fantasy team. We're in the championship. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I think the Bulls are sneakily tanking right now. Right. Uh, just sitting everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But like the addition of Otto Porter was really great for him. Yeah. Uh, he's only played 15 games with the Bulls this year, and yet you can still feel his impact. Like he's sure. he's shooting 48 percent from the field, almost 49 from three, and 90 from the line. <laughs> uh, he's been way better in terms of handling the basketball. Like his father came out and said, yeah. you know, it was necessary for him to get out of Washington. Like he was just standing around, not doing anything. They really didn't use him correctly. Yeah, and. You know, that that turns out to be very much true. Porter is, like, handling the basketball and pick-and-roll situations. He's being moved up to play center here and there in, in small lineups. Like, it's he's really been intriguing to watch yeah. overall. Um, it's, it's like a guy who just rediscovered himself as a basketball player. And yeah. you love to see that. I mean, you really love to see that. So I think moving forward, the, the Levine, Porter, Markinen, and hopefully Wendell Carter Jr. lineup should be you know, a thing. And then you can argue you need a new point guard. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Chris Dunn is just not up for the challenge. I think that's completely fair to say. But here's the thing. If they get Sion, I would just start Levine at the two. Yeah. Like, yeah, Rick, he talked about that now that I remember it as well. Like, mm-hmm. just moving in there, it doesn't matter. Uh, and the same could be said for Jared Culver. Like, basically, the Bulls can't really go wrong in this draft, whoever they choose. Yeah, assuming they don't slip so far that they take Cam Reddish. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. That... All right, that's fair. Cam Reddish is one of those guys. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. It's yeah. They finally placed themselves in a position where whatever happens in the draft, they can't really go all wrong. I mean, even right. if they get Morand, like, and again, 
same exact concerns apply some rain in Chicago as they did in, in, in Phoenix, as I outlined previously, because you have high volume guys there already. So you have to wonder whether you can get, you know, optimized production out of Moran in Chicago. Yeah. But if they choose him, like, no skin off my nose, that'd right. be interesting. It's interesting because, like, really all of the teams at the very top of the lottery, depending, I mean, if the Knicks get Kyrie, or even if they don't, if they, like, really feel that strongly about Dennis Smith Jr., it's like a lot of these teams don't necessarily need Morant. So I feel like right. like the Wizards could use him just because they – you can't bank on John Wall moving forward. You know, he's not right. going to slip to the, the Hornets, but, like, the Hornets could use him if Kemba leaves. Like, mm-hmm. the, the Grizzlies could use him as the Mike Conley replacement. But, like, I, I do wonder if if he either slips a little bit further than we we think he's going to, or, you know, maybe... Well, it depends how the, the lottery shakes out, right. obviously. Right, But, like, you know, if, if it held to form, it feels like a lot of these top teams don't actually need him and if they're prioritizing fit over best player available which is not necessarily often advisable you know right. I, I could see him slipping a little bit further than we expect but i i'm glad Cleveland would probably take him in a heartbeat who would cleveland and then move yeah, colin sex the into two. the two yeah that's true and just actually. run all day long that'd be fun yeah that'd i wouldn't hate fun. that yeah and that and cleveland would be in that that situation that i talked about whereas you know, Moran can actually be the guy with the high usage rate, right. where you actually benefit both from the playmaking and the scoring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not sold on Sexton as like a full time point guard, and you think he could be fine in a secondary ball handler role, but you're right. like more confident in his scoring ability than you were, and shooting. I mean, as you said, he's shooting above forty percent from the three this year. That's, yeah. So you have if you have Moran setting him up, that's only going to get better, right? Yeah. Like theoretically. Yeah. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad for the Bulls that you mentioned Wendell Carter. I feel like he's gonna both him and Jared Jackson because they missed, you know, a lot of the end of the season with injuries that they're yeah. gonna go under the radar, especially when we're starting to talk about like all rookie teams and stuff. But like both of those guys were great this year. Wendell Carter mm-hmm. is he's he's a legitimate like. The Bulls should be very confident moving forward in marketing and Carter as their starting front court. I think. I I fully agree. I mean, look, this is a guy who came in as a 19 year old rookie, and was arguably the team's best defender. Yeah. Think about that. For a <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's. Re- I know the Bulls are horrific defensively, but it doesn't matter when you are on a roster of veteran NBA players, and you as a 19 year old, you know, turns out to be the best defensive player. That's a that's just a, a terrific ability to to you know prove yourself that I'm actually this good. Like yeah. I'm actually a game changer. I'm one of those guys who can come in and block shots, change the change the entire you know defensive scheme, and for for having offenses try to divert me. I mean, he did everything, man. I mean, he looked at times like as as a future DPOY player. Yeah, well, because uh, Markinen missed a lot at the beginning of the season, so like Carter was one of their bright spots early on. It was, like, him and Levine. Yes. You know, Levine has been a bright spot all year. But, like, Carter yeah. was a bright spot for the first part. And then marketing comes back, and it's like, oh, yeah, Laurie Marketing's actually really good, too. And then they get out of Porter. It's like, oh, wait, they have a wing in the right position. Now this team makes sense. Like, two, for, two through five, you have your starting lineup in place, and this could be actually very good. Now, as you said, you just need to figure out that one spot. So... 
I mean, it, it does sound like you're out of the Chris Dunn experiment. I don't want to steal oh, yeah. Bulls HQ's thunder here, but you mentioned <laughs> Patrick Beverly, I'm guessing, is, is yeah. one of your free agent targets this summer. Yeah, so so Bulls Braz has, or at least Bulls fans, have talked a lot about Ricky Rubio, and he's oh. also been mentioned in in articles as one that the Bulls Braz, you know, guard packs are looking at. Yeah. I get it. No, I, I actually get it. I get the idea behind it because he's a defensive ace and he's a playmaker yeah. and he doesn't require a lot of shots and he's got great leadership abilities. I completely get it on that surface. Sure. And he's also an improved three-point shooter. But Patrick Beverly is just... He's just got a different dynamic that I think fits this team better. Right. Like he, he's a better shooter. And a quick. he's also a quicker shooter, which matters in yeah. the grand scheme of things. He's a, a better on-ball defender, I would argue. He's just more disruptive, at least. And yeah. he's one of those guys who'll just... If he, if he deems it necessary, he'll pick you up 94 feet. Yeah. And I think you need that dog, honestly. Right, right. Just, and Chris Dunn, like, don't be mistaken. Chris Dunn is a great defender, but that's it. Yeah. that That's it. I mean, you can't use just that. Whereas he's also trying, Chris Dunn, that is, trying to, like, discover himself in the NBA. So he's taking a lot of shots and he's trying to figure out, okay, if I assert myself offensively here, and then he doesn't. Beverly knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He knows he's not going to average 20. He's going to come in. He's going to hit a couple threes. Then he's going to play hard-nosed defense. He's going to help out on the glass. And he's not like the you know primary playmaker. Like that responsibility will fall to uh, you know, Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, and actually Laurie Markinen, who proved that he can't be a passing hub uh, when you use him correctly. So I think it's all about having that shared responsibility mindset going into next season. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm looking at the list of 2019 free agent point guards, including guys who could turn down options, and it, it really does thin out pretty quickly. It's like Irving, yeah. Rubio, Walker, Goran Dragic, if he turns down his $17 million player option, which I'm assuming he probably will, just to lock in one one more long-term deal. Yeah, but he just doesn't make sense because he's right. ta- he takes a lot of shots. He's outside the, the age group. Yep. Like, yeah. Uh, Darren Collison. Yeah, he's been brought up as well. I'm, I'm not seeing the appeal. He's six foot nothing. Yeah. Like, you need to have some size. Uh, and, and I get that Patrick Beverly is not much taller, but he's thicker. Yeah. And he's more explosive, so that matters a lot. <laughs> Are you on board the Derrick Rose train? Bring Derrick Rose back to I am, Chicago? I, I, I am not. Yeah. No, I am not. I, I think, yeah, I don't think. Look, so Derrick Rose has had one good month this year. Yeah. This season, and people are rolling with it like he's been on fire since the start of the season. Right. So they will, the Bulls most likely will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 some million in cap space once you factor in their first round pick. So they could get frisky. I want to ask you about two restricted free agents Mm -hmm. one, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Would you go after him? If he's available, I mean, I have a feeling that the Nets are going to match everything. I would, I would hope so. But like, would you, yeah. would you blow your whole cap load on him? Yes. Yeah, I, I think I would too. If I'm I would. Bulls. I, I understand that it's going to be tricky because there are so many, and I just mentioned that you know, not taking Morant means I, I wouldn't necessarily take Morant. I don't know if I would or not. I mean, I'd be okay with it, but I wouldn't aggressively pursue it. Sure. Because you know, a lot of shots and all that, and then D'Angelo Russell comes in, and he's also a shot maker and a shot taker. Yep. 
But I think when when you just combine that amount of talent, yeah, like then it doesn't matter. Like he's just so far. He's an all star for crying out loud. Yeah, he's he's a very very good player, and I think with the right coach and with the right mindset, like defensively he can improve. Yeah, but he's also a fantastic passer. Like that's get lost in translation with with Russell a lot. Like he's fantastic at passing the ball and initiating the offense. So you have Russell and Levine in the backcourt, and you have. Uh, Markinen and Carter up front, and then you have you know Otto Porter. All of those five guys can, in some capacity, initiate the offense. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really fun. But I'm with you. I, I do think the Nets match whatever, uh, yeah, whatever offer she receives up to a max. So I, I don't think it's a realistic thing. Malcolm Brogdon, I think he's an interesting one because I he's been brought up a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Bucks are. They have a lot of free agents this year. They locked up Eric Bledsoe, right. but they still have Nico, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Brogdon. Brogdon's a restricted, so they can match whatever he gets, but right. at a certain point, they're going to run into some luxury tax concerns. They also do have to be mindful of Giannis as a free agent in two years. You can't piss him off by letting a lot of guys go, but I feel like if Brogdon's offer sheet is high enough, you could at least make Milwaukee think about it before instant matching. So... Yeah, would you go after Brogdon? In that case, depending on where the Bulls, you know, are, are selecting in the draft, I'd probably sure. go with Morant instead, and and then take, uh, and then accept the fact that he's probably not going to be as productive in Chicago as he would elsewhere, because Brogdon, as great as he is, and Brogdon is great, he is he's I think twenty six already. Yeah, and. The thing is, he's he's never going to be a necessarily high volume player, which is fine. But then you have to wonder if I if I'm a team that's dedicating like twenty percent of my entire cap to this guy or close to it, mm-hmm. and he's consistently a guy who scores like between thirteen and fifteen points, and you know not providing a hell of a lot more offensively. He's a good defender. I'll give him that. Then you have to wonder if am I good in getting full bang for the buck? Yeah. That makes sense, and I think that's I think that's important. It's you can overpay guys who are absolutely great, and 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 or not even overpay. You can give guys market value, but if you put a market value guy onto a team where he's not going to get the necessary shots and the necessary role, then you actually end up overpaying him because then you're paying him to be a luxury asset. Yeah, and I think Brockton could slip into that category really, really quickly. I could see that for sure. Um, I would not max him if I'm the Bulls by any means, but... Oh, yeah, no, 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 not maxing. Yeah, but if you could get him somewhere around what Levine signed for, I think it's at least intriguing, because not only are you then weakening Milwaukee, but you are you are strengthening yourself. I think you could, you know, he's 6'5", he's big, so you could put him as the de facto point guard, but, like, have right. Levine really operate the offense i mean he's in the 50 40 90 club this year he's good in an off-ball role he's a good defender i don't know i, I think major wingspan too yeah i i think it's at least intriguing that you know he, he would be more than russell because i just don't think that's realistic like if if i'm the bulls he's right. probably the guy who i'm really going after as you said depending on how the draft shakes out or whatever but Right, but if that if it's that price you just mentioned, like yeah. the Levine type of contract, yeah, then that changes things. Like if it's the max, no way. No, I, no, I think no. that that's that's where it gets problematic. Yeah, but yeah, if it's in in the eighteen to nineteen million dollar range, yeah, I think then that becomes more realistic because then you're paying a guy 
maybe a little bit under market value. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Yeah. Uh, or at least market value, but not significantly over market value to the point where if he has a drop-off in production because so many other players on the roster can produce points, right. then it's not as big of a loss because you're not paying him, like, max money. Yeah. I mean, I think it might even be slightly over market value. But, could, I mean, if, if he and Levine are on the same contract, I feel like you could... Well, I don't know. Maybe they're... They're probably right around the same range, but uh, it just it seems like it would be a good way to round out their starting five. Then you can move Chris down to the bench mm. and like round out your reserves. However, you know, whatever. Uh, but you still right, have, especially if they get Culver in the draft. Yeah, exactly. And you still have Marketing and Carter for cheap for a couple more seasons. So like the damage that a Malcolm Brogdon four year big contract would do to another team doesn't really apply to the Bulls because they're going to have... They're not going to bump into luxury tax concerns until Marketing and Carter right. are re-signed on their post-rookie deals. And you don't have to worry about that mm. for another few years. I, I would definitely dig a, a Bulls offseason that brought them in Brockton and Jared Culver in the draft. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, I think, I think the route that they're going... I think they're in absolutely in love with Morant. I will even go as far as trading up for him. I wouldn't oh, trade up for Morant. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't trade up for Morant. I wouldn't go for that. Yeah, uh, but I think that's what I think that's ultimately is what's going to happen if they you know finish with the fourth or, or receive the fourth or fifth pick or something. Oof. I think they're going to try to trade up for Morant, and then I think they're going to sign Beverly to be like the the mentor. Yeah, and then go from there. But personally, like, I would have no problem going after someone in the restricted free agency market. At, at least assuming you know it's realistically it's realistic to get them right. because it just wasting time doesn't help anyone yeah and yeah if if they could walk away with Malcolm Brockton and Jared Culver without giving up any one of the major main core yeah that's a good offseason that's sure. absolutely a good off yeah yeah i think Beverly's going to be one of those guys who like every fan base and Danny Green's going to be the same way like every fan base is going to be like oh yeah he's the perfect guy for our offseason we should totally get him for like 8 million dollars a year and then because every team wants him, he's going to get paid a lot more than people think he will. Like, maybe it's still only a balloon deal. But I also kind of think Beverly just stays with the Clippers. I mean, he seems to really like it there. And if they get Kawhi, like, why why would he yeah. leave? That's true. That's true. And it's Los Angeles, man. I mean, we can't. It, it's it's warm weather. It's, you know, it's Hollywood. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be going to be an interesting summer to say the least so i think that's a good place to wrap up we will be back with more by felicia soon we'll also in the coming weeks have our season award picks we'll do our playoff predictions once we get a little closer and the bracket is locked so a lot to look forward to we're almost done the regular season and the real the real fun begins soon in the meantime please follow us on twitter at the nba pod you can find our twitter handles in our bio so give us a follow as well you can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Tepork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, man. Feel better. Thank you. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see you at practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.